Welcome to the Year of the Movie podcast, the podcast where we talk about movies from the year of the movie, 2023. That's now. That is currently at the time of recording, now. Yep. I'm Sebastian. I'm Maggie. And today we are back, and I'm just going to say today's episode, right from the get-go, Knock at the Cabin. That is the movie we're talking about. Yep. Our little house cleaning at the at the beginning of this episode. Housekeeping. What did I say? House cleaning. House cleaning. That's well, we, what we did earlier That's today. what we did today. <laughs> A little housekeeping that we're going to do right now. This is our <laughs> sort of second time recording this specific episode. Yep. We were on vacation last week and we tried to record it down there and it did not work. It was on a lake. It would have been cool if it worked, but yep. it didn't. So... It didn't. So here we are back in the room yep. that we were last time, but consistency. Mm-hmm. So if you're a video viewer, you're seeing the same room. Don't get used to it. Yeah. Uh, it, it will change. We also have Bryce with us again. Bryce is back. And today he has a microphone. So say hello, Bryce. I can talk now. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, you know, if Bryce has opinions or yeah. we want to ask Bryce questions, he can, he can participate. He's... he's as always, doing our switching. Mm-hmm. He's doing all the technical stuff right now, which is super helpful. Mm-hmm. But he's sort of our permanent guest. <laughs> <laughs> so yep. that's that's what we are, are up to right yeah. now. And we started this podcast because 2023 is a really weird year for movies. Yep. Even before the writer's strike and the actor's strike started, it just like... We had the announcement of Cocaine Bear, 65, our movie, (laughs) our favorite movie. Um, One of our most movies. One of our most movies. (laughs) Another one that I forgot about, which uh, the trailers are coming out more right now, the marketing is Strays. Oh, yeah. Which is the Will Ferrell talking dog movie. Yep. So that's one of them. Like, it was just like, what is this year? It was a big pivot from last year. And now no one can even do promotion for the movies because of the strikes. And so, like, that's where we're at. But today we're talking about Knock at the Cabin, which would have been cool to do at the at, woods. At, at Lake in the Woods. Yep. But that's okay. We're we're here. We're here in the room. We're gonna <laughs> pretend this is the first time we've ever had this conversation. Yep, indeed. <laughs> so the synopsis of Knock at the Cabin mm-hmm. is a family vacationing at a re- remote cabin is suddenly held hostage by four strangers who ask something unimaginable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what? were your first impressions of the trailer or when you first heard about the movie? My first impressions of the trailer were interesting. Yeah. It's an M. Night Shyamalan movie for those of you who don't know, Mm -hmm. um, which can always be hit or drastically miss. Yeah. So, I mean, you see his name attached. I think it is skepticism is is okay Mm -hmm. of, you know. I think it will always be a polarizing movie. Yeah. He will make a choice. Yes, he will. You will decide if you agree. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, are you an M Night fan? Ooh, yeah. Sometimes, yeah. Basically, Signs, Mm -hmm. Sixth Sense. Mm -hmm. Are you an M Night fan? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Grew up watching Signs a decent amount. Um, I have only seen the Sixth Sense once, and I think it was like at a sleepover. I already knew the twist, so it wasn't. It didn't make a huge impact on me. Um, but the village was one that I really liked growing up, um, and I think I watched that one at the right age. And it was like one of the first ones that I remember seeing. Of like, movies can be wild and not just ninety minutes sure. of of animated fun or yeah. whatever. Bryce, are you an M Night Shyamalan fan? I it's 
I mean, he directed your favorite movie of all time, The Last Airbender. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know it. Absolute masterpiece. Yeah. No, actually, I think for me, Unbreakable. Oh, mm. yeah. I think that one was solid for me. It made me care about superhero origins again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and besides the weird, very tense scene between him and... Um, Oh, no. Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. Mm -hmm. That his weird cameo where they were essentially threatening each other. Yeah. Uh, Other than that, I think it was a great film. Yeah. I actually haven't seen those. Uh, The Unbreakable, Split, or Glass. I've seen Unbreakable and Split. um, And then I was like, I don't know if I agree with this but i fully support the fact that he's like no i'm my own cinematic universe yeah now. <laughs> i mean i think that's great i think a, a director making their own yeah cus is very fun the m night cu yeah <laughs> all right so <laughs> what we like to do is talk about the trailer mm-hmm. um and obviously movies have lots of trailers so typically we go with like the first official trailer that yeah. came out uh, and why we talk about the trailer well there's a couple of reasons um sometimes the trailer is a little misleading. Yeah. Like what we thought with uh, our last episode. Um, somebody so- I used to somebody know. Somebody I used to know. Yeah. Another reason is um, we want, you know, people who haven't seen the movie and don't want spoiled yet. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you haven't heard about the movie and you don't want spoiled yet. So maybe our description, our basically shot for shot breakdown of the trailer yeah. will get you interested. We and then- legally can't show you the trailer. So we're just going to talk yep. about it at you. And uh, after that, then we'll get into spoiler territory of things that happen in the movie, our thoughts on what happened. Mm -hmm. But for now, we'll talk about the trailer. Mm -hmm. So it opens to shots of a cabin in the woods with the song Boogie Shoes playing. Mm -hmm. And there's uh, other shots of the surrounding woods. And it's really highlighting that it's a remote location. And we see a family uh, comprised of Andrew, Eric, who are husband and husband, and their daughter, Wynn, in the car driving to the cabin. And they're singing along to Boogie Shoes. Uh, We see them briefly exploring their vacation spot and jumping into a lake. And they're just one big happy family. Mm -hmm. And the song is still playing. We see Wynn outside by herself collecting grasshoppers. You know, it's just what kids do on vacation. (laughs) The camera tilts up and the song just cuts out when a large man, large man, big boy, is shown walking out of the woods in the distance, heading towards Wynn. The music gets much more suspenseful, and then suddenly there's a knock at the cabin door. I did not expect that. <laughs> and the credits on screen say, From M. Night Shyamalan, appear on screen. We see Eric and Andrew turn towards the door and another clip from outside as the man, the large man, big boy, introduces himself as Leonard to win and shakes her hand. He says that it's nice to meet her and there's suspenseful close-ups of grasshoppers. <laughs> Wynn asks Leonard um, and, you know, is looking at the camera when she asks Leonard, why are you here? And Leonard responds, I suppose I'm here to make friends with you and your dads too. And there's more knocking with a shot of trees. We hear Leonard say, but my heart is broken. And another close-up of Wynn's face as she asks, why is it broken? Which feels like a reasonable question. Yeah. Leonard responds, because of what I have to do today, not ominous. As more (laughs) figures walk out of the woods, also shown at a distance. We cut to more forceful knocking at the door with Wynn and her dads inside. And they're looking concerned. And they look out the windows and they see the strangers are carrying strange weapons. 
Andrew whispers what he sees to Eric, cut with shots of Wen looking scared, and the dads are at least very nervous. And there's another clip of Wen walking away from Leonard outside as his so-called friends approach him out of focus behind her. He narrates that the four of them have a very important job to do and says, in fact, it might be the most important job in the history of the world. Spooky music crescendos with a close-up of the doorknob rattling. More frantic shots of the family trying to keep the strangers outside, blocking doors, getting the fire poker to protect themselves, and scooping up their daughter. We see quick shots of the group of intruders breaking into the house from all sides, and Eric rushes a woman with her weapon in, in her hand and the fire poker in his hand, and the last of the family's defenses fall, and the rest of the intruders make their way inside. The screen goes black and cuts back in with our first clear look of the intruders, who is led by Dave Batista, the large man. The big boy. They stand in a line looking fairly nervous as Leonard says, We were called and are united by a common vision, which has now become a command that we cannot ignore. We see both dads are tied to some chairs and Wynn is standing behind them. Leonard continues, The four of us are here to prevent the apocalypse. Andrew looks shocked and Leonard says, your family has been chosen to make a horrible decision. Close-up of each family member's face, Leonard finishes, If you fail to choose, the world will end. The trailer finishes with the title of the movie against a dark background with more knocking and the tagline, Make the choice with a brief shot of a figure with a white hood over their head. So that is the trailer. Description, mm -hmm. if that sounds interesting to you and you haven't seen it and you want to watch it, it's a pretty good trailer. You should hit pause in this video or this podcast audio. Mm -hmm. Go watch it and then and then play the rest of it of this podcast <laughs> slash video. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, it's a pretty good trailer. It's uh, definitely better than somebody I used to know. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like everything that happens in the movie, which we can kind of talk about now, Pretty much what you see is what you get from the trailer. There's no huge surprises, which is also kind of one of the bummers of the movie. Yeah. Is that it's an M. Night Shyamalan movie, so you kind of expect like a there's twist. gonna be a twist. You're gonna someone is gonna see dead people or there <laughs> won't be any coincidences. Yeah. Something is gonna happen. But in this movie, no. Yeah. The and twist is they were telling the truth they were indeed telling the truth so obviously if you don't want spoilers just to reiterate oops too late <laughs> now is when you should probably <laughs> yeah. stop but if you don't care which you shouldn't because it's not like this is a movie that's like groundbreaking not really <laughs> then keep watching yeah also i want to say that you know since we have recorded this before mm -hmm. this episode is probably going to be another slightly longer one yeah. about an hour Probably. Yeah. So yeah. just keep that in mm -hmm. mind. Yeah. Um, so the twist of the movie doesn't exist. That's the twist. The apocalypse is real. The apocalypse is real. So like the beginning kind of tries to set up, I would say like the first 20 minutes of it tries to set up of like, are they telling the truth? Mm -hmm. Is the apocalypse happening? Are they just sharing a, a delusion and then this family is the victims of that yeah we don't know but we do know because in the so like the home invaders say that they have been experiencing these visions they they are compelled to do these things um and they're very apologetic about it yeah. but um 
they also say that they they have these visions for a while and they've been drawing them and then the title the opening credits of the movie um you see these drawings of these visions of like the apocalypse basically on different notes and like spare pieces of paper and one of them says like nurses notes and one of them is like a random like a a test or something that's being graded yeah and then you find out that the different home invaders they reveal a lot of personal information to try and relate to their victims and one of them is like i'm a nurse dave batista's character is a teacher so like if you're paying attention at the beginning you already know that they that at least the visions are real Mm -hmm. because it's set up before the movie even starts yeah with the credits and the just to really be specific with what this group was tasked to do oh yeah because the trailer like doesn't actually like they don't come out and say fully say it they just like you know it's heavily implied is that the family andrew eric and win have Mm -hmm. to decide which one of them has to die and then they have to kill that family member themselves yeah or else the apocalypse will happen they're the four home invaders they will ask the family four times to make this choice uh and every time that they say no they won't make the choice one of the home invaders is killed by the other invaders and then they release a plague upon the world which can be an actual plague yeah it can be a giant tsunami one of them was a big earthquake yeah slash tsunami combo one of them was a airplanes just started falling out of the sky which is not how that would work but that's fine yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah like it's not like an airplane just stops moving yeah like obviously it would suck but they can still glide a little bit like they they wouldn't just they just they just stop. It's raining airplanes. Yeah. Um Yeah, so it's it's a little bit of like a anticlimax, I would say. That's the twist. Yeah. Um and then I guess we can talk about the ending now of the movie is that Eric says it's okay, you can kill me, and then they prevent the apocalypse from happening. So yeah. Andrew and Wen live. Um, all Which of the home we, invaders we will talk die. about that more in depth in a bit for yeah. sure but yeah uh so as if you are listening mm-hmm. as you know uh andrew and eric are a gay couple they're married to each other and there is some like so it starts <sighs> out of like the the realities of homophobia are heavily sprinkled throughout this movie and sometimes it handles it well and sometimes it's weird about Mm -hmm. it um so part of that initial 20 minute setup of like is this real or not um is eric and andrew think they're being targeted because they're a gay couple and that these are that they're being hate crimes um andrew has been attacked previously um in a like bar hospitalized attacked he was hit over the head with a beer bottle um and then they show through different flashback scenes that um he was hit over the head with a beer bottle at a, at a bar where he and eric were having a date um he basically just he starts working out a lot he gets really intense um he gets a gun he gets a gun he becomes much more protective of his family, which is very understandable. Um, they, when 
so like they think or andrew specifically is the one that mentions like this is because we're gay right you're you're attacking it you're invading our yeah and then one of the the home invaders are like no none of us have a hateful bone in our body and then you find out immediately that that's not true one of them (laughs) one of them played by rupert grint yeah is um he was the guy that attacked andrew he was the hate crimer yeah like he gave the rest of them a fake name um which doesn't make sense that he would do that but that's whatever it doesn't Um, and then there's evidence of why they should have known his real name later at the end of the movie so it just makes no sense so so it almost goes into a there are no coincidences territory of like they had a previous connection and then we both thought while we Mm -hmm. were watching it that during that flashback scene of like you kind of see rupert grint it's kind of a is it the same guy is it not is andrew misremembering things Mm -hmm. whatever you find out that it's the same guy and then it shows them in the hospital with him getting the glass taken out of his head one of them the home invaders mentions that she's a nurse so i was watching that like yeah looking for her she would show up there too and somehow dave batista and the other one would yeah i thought dave batista was going to be their daughter's teacher or like work at their school or something and then the fourth woman is a chef so it was like maybe they went to a diner after the hospital I but don't she know. also has a kid so maybe her kid goes Ex- to the same school exactly. right like there there was a way of like you could have tied them all together but just the one for some reason just him um <laughs> so uh the yeah so it, it's like it almost does something with the homophobia the other thing that i don't super love is that the ending of it with eric Eric basically, um, Eric and Andrew, they don't butt heads. They're very united the entire time of like, yeah, we are literally in in mortal danger. We should yeah. stick together with this. But, but Andrew is, is more... Andrew does not believe in any of the stuff that's going on of like, he does not believe that any of them have been called by a higher power or anything yeah. like that. But Eric, Eric is more open to it. Eric sees God. Eric sees, So Eric gets <laughs> a concussion basically yeah. right away. Yeah. In, I think, kind of the silliest way possible. He basically slips and falls. During that initial confrontation that they show in the trailer of like the woman breaks in and then he goes, he tries to defend his family first of yeah. like with the fire por- poker. She overpowers him. He hits his head on the floor. Gets a concussion. Gets a concussion. Um, so then when Rupert Grint is being sacrificed to yeah. release the first plague, then he sees a figure made out of light yeah. that like may or may not have been a reflection in the mirror. So it's also him trying to figure that out the entire time. But the twist is it was God. It was God? Question mark. <laughs> It could be upper or lowercase g. Yeah, it was a figure. <laughs> yeah. But it's also in, in the flashbacks that yeah. we get, we see that Eric is more of a believer than Andrew was because they're yes. at an adoption place and there's a mural of Jesus playing soccer with, with children. And yeah. Andrew tells Eric, he's like, it's okay if you want to pray. It's almost played off as a joke, but like but, Eric is definitely portrayed as the more spiritual one of the yeah. two of them. It's not necessarily Christian, but no. he is more... I would say open-minded. Yes. So that be- all being said, <laughs> back to the homophobia. <laughs> so the ending, it it feels a little bleh, icky uh-huh. to me of um, humanity, whatever, higher power, anything, whatever it is, has decided that this is the way that humanity needs to prove that it deserves to live, is that these two people need to make this decision. And that Eric is okay with that 
because he like has rationalized that we were chosen they never mentioned why this family was chosen they were like we don't know either um but eric rationalizes it as our love is so pure that that's why we were chosen we were chosen to protect everyone else and isn't that great that we are able to make this sacrifice on behalf of everyone and so our daughter can have a better life and andrew was like I was just hate crimes. I was just fuck, fuck that. What <laughs> yeah. the hell are you talking about? Yeah, like, <laughs> and it, it it doesn't. It feels like a weird time to make that call yep. in your movie as a a moral sounding board of like this family has been through it. You see it like you see him physically be attacked. You see Andrew's family not accept Eric, mm-hmm. and they have a really awkward dinner. You see them in. At the uh, orphanage adopting when, when Eric is her legal father on the paperwork and he says, oh, my wife couldn't be here today. This is her brother. Yeah. That's how they get around like being a gay couple and have, trying to adopt a child. And it, it there's been a lot of weird stuff ha- and bad things happening yep. legally to gay people within the last several years. And it just feels like a, a really well-intentioned but misplaced allyship call. <laughs> yeah, I think the twist in this one is M. Night is an ally. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not fully his fault because this is based on a book and the yeah. book is also about a gay couple. But it, The book is different and we will the, get there. Yeah, we will get the there. The choices but... of the movie really make it come across as like kind of preachy. Yeah. Like you were saying when we first watched it of like this feels like a Christian parable movie. It feel, there's a weird religious push in my opinion to this movie because it is like maybe god is real it is incredibly non-denominational but they're yeah it's they're the four home invaders are the four horsemen of the apocalypse yeah so so we can transition into my next bullet point which is the lore (laughs) isn't made super clear and i don't necessarily need it to be spelled out but things are briefly mentioned and then not followed up on so like we have no idea what m night Shyamalan's version of god is which (laughs) i can and cannot be okay with at the same time (laughs) um the part of the setup of like are these people legit when they come to this house are they say that like uh they mentioned multiple times like we we all thought we were crazy until we met up on that pier together and that was like the first time that they met in person was they were all compelled to make these weapons and then meet up wearing these specific color shirts at this one specific location and then later on they say they let it slip that they met on a message board and then and then that's never brought up again (laughs) i think i think the main problem with the movie is that there are tons of setups that are really interesting yeah there's a lot of really interesting setups that get no payoff yeah this movie edges you all the way through (laughs) and it doesn't finish the job that's what this movie is So if that's what you're into, <laughs> then M. Night's got you covered. Because like, it's like they talk about the message boards. Yeah. Doesn't really, we don't really find out yeah. anything about that. It starts out and in the trailer mm-hmm. with grasshoppers. She's taking notes with all of She's her grasshoppers. Really She's really into grasshoppers. Yeah. We get a final shot of the grasshoppers that she left in the jar outside. Yeah. We get a shot of a few minutes after that of grasshoppers on a window yeah. and then never again. Right. Like when they said, they even said like, we are releasing plagues. So I was like, plague of grasshoppers. Got it. Yeah. There's something going to be like locusts, yeah. or right? There's, or there's going to be 
a shot of the grasshopper like she talks to the grasshoppers and she's like don't worry i'm just studying you for a little bit and then i'll let you go yeah. and then i was like oh we're gonna get a shot of those grasshoppers dead in that jar later yeah never or you know if she makes it out then she has her grasshoppers at the end yeah. to at least be like at least i still have you guys no nothing we do not see them again why are there grasshoppers yeah anyway <laughs> That's one of the more minor things that we have wrong with it. But when you talk about a movie three times, you're going to focus on the grasshoppers. Um, Another thing is when Eric is having his like literal slash metaphorical come to Jesus moment, then he uh, says like, I figured it all out. These guys are the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And then lists them out. And lists them. So like the one is a nurse, like we've mentioned. Uh he's he says that they all men- they all represent different aspects of humanity. So the one is a nurse, so she's nurturing, and the other one um is a chef. So it's sustenance or I forget what yeah. big word he uses. Um and then uh teaching for Dave Batista, and then just all the bad stuff is represented by Ron Weasley. And <laughs> Like, you're supposed to acknowledge all of these aspects of humanity, the good and the bad, and then the four horsemen do that. I don't think that's what the four horsemen stand for. They bring the war. like the. There's war and, and death. And death. Famine. They're all pretty bad, typically. Yeah, In most them... aspects of literature and film and everything, they are typically pretty bad. None of them are a nurse. No. Yeah. Um. So, like, fine it can be his own interpretation of of well-established mm-hmm. lore that's cool but like there's no i was expecting that m night Shyamalan moment where someone is monologuing and you get all of the edited bits of like here are all the details that you could have paid attention to the entire time and it's all coming together mm-hmm. like and and instead you almost get that editing sequence in this part and that's it yeah. and it's is also never touched on again. Uh, if it matters, the four horsemen of the apocalypse are death, famine, war, and conquest. Sweet. If yeah. they represent anything. Yeah, so yeah. basically, um, there's one horseman, Rupert Grant, who represents all four of the horsemen. The four horsemen. And then his three buds. Yeah. Three, <laughs> three of the four horsemen called out sick that day, actually. <laughs> so they got substitute horsemen. Yeah. <laughs> This is the second string of horsemen. <laughs> um, another weird lore thing is there is a line um, where I I might be re- misremembering it, but um, when they're having the initial confrontation of like, it's because we're gay, isn't it? That's why you're doing this. And then the one is like, we don't have a homophobic bone in our bodies. Yeah. Then she, I'm pretty sure she says, we didn't know it'd be a same sex couple this time. I'm like, yeah. It's either she doesn't say this time, or it's some other line that they say. But I, I remember having the feeling of like this has happened before. They have acknowledged that this is a cycle that repeats yeah. itself, and this initial decision is now being made by a same-sex couple. And but no one ever talks about all the other times. Like, so if I was if expect- you watch the movie, yeah. and that's not the case, if the line isn't this time, and we are just. Let me know. Yeah, let us. Cause... But there's no. It it really makes it seem like this is a a cyclical yeah. thing, and it's not. Yeah, and another thing. Back to the edging. Um, <laughs> it all comes back to that. And <laughs> in, in that there was something set up that we don't ever get, 
an explanation or payoff really mm-hmm. is the weapons that the home invaders use yes they were told that they had to make them the specific way yeah they don't know why they made them this way we were never told yeah and and they're just there yeah the nurse character she's like she's uh tending to eric's uh head trauma and she's kind of explaining like hey man i thought i was crazy too and like as she's helping Mm -hmm. him out and she's like i was uh i started seeing these visions i started like drawing them um i and then i made my weapon i went to the pier and then it turns out i wasn't alone but she never says like why how she made the weapon they all seem like they're made out of the same materials like was there a flashback at some point of all of them going to an ace hardware or something like getting <laughs> finding a welder yeah. like hey can you make this and the welder's like i guess, I guess. why <laughs> <laughs> i mean i can put a hammer on a chain yeah. but <laughs> um when they all die or when each of the four horsemen i guess um are sacrificed that's like the uh the the consequence of them not making a decision to save humanity is then a plague is released that's what they say um i would love to know what the consequences are for the four horsemen to just not die Mm -hmm. like they keep they keep checking their watches and they're like we have to die at this time yeah they're on a very set schedule um which is also not acknowledged why, mm-hmm. but like, what if they didn't die? Is or they were just this... like, eh, I'm good. Yeah, what if this decision wasn't placed on Eric and Andrew? Yeah. Would like... the apocalypse then just happen automatically? Yeah, like that's never established. It no. really isn't. Like maybe it's implied. Yeah, in just the sense of like, they wouldn't be doing this unless they know it would just happen. Right, and like I get that they are also. Like, it, they acknowledge that it's a terrible decision for Eric and Andrew to go through, and they are also, like, they're literally willing to kill themselves and each other for the sake of the greater good. Yeah. So, like, they also have skin in the game, but it's just kind of pushing the decision off onto someone else. And yeah. And there's no no explanation why. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so before we get into, like, the technical stuff, mm-hmm. I want to talk about Leonard. Okay. I, I want to talk about Leonard because it's Dave Batista. Yeah. And we'll talk about, like, acting and all that stuff later. Just the character. Mm-hmm. Just the character is a man looks like Dave Batista. Big, giant man. Tattooed. Tattoos everywhere. Yeah. Is like, a second grade. He's a second grade teacher in Chicago. Teacher in Chicago. Yeah. All right. He is a teacher. Mm -hmm. Maybe he has some Chicago background. Maybe he was in the military, something. There is a a scene in Mm -hmm. this movie where (laughs) Eric and Andrew almost escape. They they get a gun. Yeah. They get uh, Andrew's gun out of the car. His real gun. And then Dave Bautista goes and runs into the bathroom. They lock him in the bathroom. And then they hear a window break. Yeah. And so like, shit, we got to at least look inside the bathroom to make sure he's not in there. Yeah. So they open the door and the window is broken. Mm-hmm. And the window is obvi- obviously way too small for Dave Batista. Yeah. So they're like, well, shoot. Yeah. He's in the bathtub with mm-hmm. the curtain are closed. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they make the smart call here. They shoot into the bathtub instead of just pulling. Instead the of yeah. just pulling, right? Yeah. So they shoot in, no, nothing. 
There's yeah. no sound. And they're like, oh, okay. Maybe he did go through the window. Maybe he went through the window. And then they take a step forward. And then Dave Batista tackles through the, 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 the curtain. Yeah. Gets the upper hand again. Mm-hmm. And it is revealed that he did, in fact, get shot in the arm and then just handled it like a champ. He made no sound. You didn't hear it go into the body. He just... You didn't, like, hear behind the curtain just a... <laughs> right? He just yeah. completely silent. He yeah. was just... I mean, at, by that I point... I got shot. He's got the, the lord or whoever on his yeah. side. I guess he's fine. And then, and then it gets to a point. Where Dave Batista is the only one left, mm-hmm. and he has to kill himself. He's yeah, he has to kill himself, and then he says, "You will have a few minutes to make your decision yeah. after I'm gone, or else it'll be too late." So he kills himself. Yeah, not with the gun that he now has control of. Yeah, he takes a knife out and slits his own throat. Yeah, which slitting someone else's throat not incredibly easy. Yeah, right. Like obviously, if it's a sharp knife, you can get a cut. But doing it to yourself, our brains have this whole thing that says don't injure yourselves, which is why when you bite your finger, you can't just bite right through it, right? Like, so he takes a knife and slits his own throat. Yeah. And I I just really have a problem with, we don't know who Dave Batista's character, we don't know who (laughs) Leonard is other than he loves the kids that he teaches. He coaches them. He teaches them. He coaches them and he says, we're really bad this year. But I love them. Yeah. Like, he's just this genuinely nice guy. Yeah. But also somehow is the toughest badass you've ever seen. Yeah. And they, like, they kind of make uh, a big deal in a couple, or in in a subtle way of, like, this is a big man. Yeah. Like, they, they acknowledge that a lot. Um, the introduction scene of him and when, which is, like, kind of the strongest scene in the movie. It is. is. At the very beginning. Um he there's that shot that's in the trailer of him shaking her hand and it is just so wild because this is this is a real man and this is his real size of like he the shot is from the side of him reaching down to shake her hand and then she's reaching up and it's literally like she could hold one of his fingers (laughs) and they shake hands (laughs) so i leonard is a good character yeah but i want to know more i want to know more about all of them yeah like we uh at one point maybe it was on camera or off <laughs> talked about like the flash the use of flashbacks in this movie yeah it is comes across as a little bit cheap partly because of like the heavy-handed way they use the homophobia sometimes yeah. but then also like i if i get it if you're supposed to be in the shoes of the family and wondering like is this all real that's happening but because the movie doesn't do that it, like take a strong enough stance on that then i want to see flashbacks of the rest of the characters of like oh my god am i losing my mind like i'm i'm seeing these visions or whatever mm-hmm. what is, i want to see there i want to see dave batista like in yeah. his classroom mm-hmm. like just trying to handle this while dealing with a bunch of second graders yeah and that's that's not really touched on nope yeah so some good things yeah (laughs) cinematography is great yeah this movie looks great it's so far from stuff that we've talked about probably one of like the the better like more thought out definitely movies in terms of the cinematography yeah um so Shyamalan said in a tweet um 
I don't know when, but um, that is said that he used lens from the 90s to give the movie an old school thriller look. This movie does not have an old school thriller feel, but no. it still looks great. Yeah. Um, and then there were two uh, directors of photography. Um, one of them is Yaren Blaschke, uh, who worked on Servant, which is M. Night Shyamalan's TV show that is on Apple. Um, so we did Servant, The Lighthouse, The Northman, The Witch. He's got a very strong background. Yeah, it's a fantastic background. Yeah, it, strong horror vibes. Yeah. And then the other one was Lowell A. Meyer, who also worked on Servant. And then his other big credits are Yogi Berra, It Ain't Over, and Carly Rae Jepsen, It's Not Christmas Till Somebody Cries. Which some may say is even stronger. Is even scarier. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they had two DPs, um, basically just for scheduling reasons, but it was also then split pretty much down the middle of Yarn with, did all of the interiors and Lowell did all of the exteriors. And that was something that it's, it's not like you can watch it and tell that there are two DPs, but it was definitely very stylistically different yeah. between... It, the, all, it all basically takes place inside the cabin, but it was... All the outside yeah. scenes have all of, like, the really wide shots or yeah. the really close-up shots. Mm -hmm. um, and then, like, the inside, still beautifully shot, mm -hmm. is a little more typical. Some of the interior scenes are a little more artistic, especially of, like, um, Dave Bautista swings mm -hmm. his axe down onto... Um, Rupert Grint. Yeah. And the camera just follows it the entire time, and yeah. it's it's a good um, shot but like the sorry you go no sorry we'll get there okay um <laughs> the only other thing i have for this is that they did not put up any lights inside the cabin they only used natural lighting so just watching it knowing that is even more impressive it is because yeah. the lighting was it was good yeah and it's also fun to see when a big studio movie like this doesn't use lights because mm -hmm. we don't we use don't, lights except for that one except for the one above us right yeah now. but mm -hmm. that's I imagine the exception to this was making the figure out of light. Or, yeah. 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 But still pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this movie uses tons of close-ups. Like that is a huge thing that mm -hmm. this movie does. But I also want to talk about its use of wide shots, mm -hmm. which they do at the beginning a lot and when they're outside a lot in a way that just works so well because it is like, even throughout all the nonsense of this movie, it is still intense and there's mm -hmm. a lot of just like it's kind of stressful and when they give you this giant wide shot in a in a moment of feeling contained mm -hmm. i don't know it just it's like you're trying to escape but you can't it's right? really highlighting how isolated they are yeah like, and when they introduce leonard it is a giant wide shot of the woods yeah and then very small they make dave batista very small in the bottom of the frame which just, is impressive <laughs> yeah just start to walk out of the woods yeah and it's like oh shit something's about to happen that's what i like the most about the trailer is yeah. how long it takes until you see any of their faces mm -hmm. but it's not until in the trailer it isn't until dave batista is standing inside of the house that you see his face and then it shows all all four of them lined up um talking like explaining while while they're there uh i kind of wish that the movie did that but i also just really like the intro scene the scene between dave batista's uh, leonard and win yeah was so good i think it's it's about nine minutes or something yeah. like that uh but it is just the full setup of the whole movie it's a really extended conversation between the two of them of he is like kind of trying to gain her trust you can tell that he's experienced with kids yeah or his character is with um that scene um 
it's it's very cool and then he kind of also throws sprinkles in a couple other things of like he doesn't know these people he says that he wants to be friends with Wen, and she's like are these your friends which she sees the rest of them walking out and he's like mm, not really they're, they're my kind co-workers. of my co-workers yeah yeah, yeah. anyway close-ups close-ups yeah so they they use them really well yeah um like the the thing that you you know you get in film school with student films is almost everything is a close-up yeah um because they think it looks better it's easier to make a shot with a close-up because mm-hmm. um, you get the out of focus look but this one utilizes them in a way that isn't overdone mm-hmm. but is still like you notice like oh okay like this is it really highlights the intensity of everything yeah, <clears throat> yeah. um the other thing that this movie does a lot is the cutaway from violence and this is i think the first time that we somewhat disagree yeah <laughs> on on something in a movie so i kind of wish that the movie focused on the violence more or showed it more um every time that someone dies you you don't see it on camera mm-hmm. it's um it's shown either just off screen or like you'll hear the gunshot and then you see the birds flying away from the trees, like that kind of classic thing. Yeah. Um, you never see, even after someone is dead, you never see the body. And like they, they kind of do that. The characters kind of do that to protect the family, and especially when they're like, let's let's clean this up, let's get this out of here, yeah. like let's not freak her out any more than we need to. But if the point of the decision is to kind of confront them with the consequences of their actions then i kind of wish that the violence was more in your face at least once or twice for the deaths to really show Mm -hmm. like these are the true stakes that you are dealing with yeah you disagree (laughs) i liked that they cut away yeah um obviously you and i have talked about it um but (laughs) i i do think there is an exception for one of the deaths yeah um but i liked that they cut away from the um Especially because I think shows like The Boys and Quentin Tarantino movies yeah. have made it commonplace to have over-violence. Mm-hmm. And this is a movie that could have easily done that because they made these giant ridiculous weapons that could have just like chopped a head off or squished a head together. It could have been a, th- a thrasher yeah. or a thriller. Or, yeah. And yeah. I like that it didn't. It To me, because like the shot of when Rupert Grant dies, mm-hmm. follows the axe down. And then you see his his torso with mm-hmm. his head just above frame, and you hear the, it land, and then the blood starts to trickle down. Yeah. And I thought that was really great because it's also like, I think Wynn is supposed to be maybe not the protagonist, but like she's very protected. Everyone is. Yeah. Is, and everyone I, and is on Wynn's side because it starts with Wynn. Yeah. You're kind of following Wynn, mm-hmm. and they are trying to protect win and for win this is just a frighteningly scary event she is eight years old she, i don't know if we mentioned yeah she's yet. eight years old and people are have broken in mm-hmm. and tied her her dad's up mm-hmm. and is like one of you has to die so that's what's happening yeah right but they're still trying to protect her mm-hmm. and so i think it's more terrifying when they're shielding her but she can she still knows what's happening yeah and i think that puts the viewer in, in like that same headspace of like I'm very un. It's very uneasy. Of like, I know deaths are happening, but I can't really see it. Yeah. Like, I think that's that's kind of 
icky. That's fair. The one death that I do think they should have shown is Eric's. Yes. I think Eric's deaths should have been shown. They completely cut away from that. They it's it it's cuts the away one to an death exterior. that they said mattered. Yes. Right. Like so. the other ones matter, but they could have been preventable. But Eric's yeah. or someone in the family, it needed to happen. Otherwise, then, the world ended. Right. And then you see you they they're watching the news at different points to like see the updates of the plagues happening. So like you the it's broadcast news, so they're not going to show someone like dying on screen. But you just saw the planes dropping out of the sky. Yep. You just heard them talking about the thousands of people who just died. One of the plagues is a sickness that is specifically targeting children, and you see like a hospital ward and everything. And then to not even show like this one guy, yeah, is especially because he's like, I can't believe like we were given this opportunity. Yeah, right. Like it's 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 because our love is so pure. He just said he was cool with this, and then, I have yeah. to go. Yeah, like I'm ready, and yeah. then you don't see it. Mm-hmm. Like it's another edge yeah <laughs> like it's another thing for this yeah. movie to be like oh, oh, yeah. oh, no not yet oh, oh, no <laughs> like it's just it's just that yeah uh so i found a couple quotes talking about this so Shyamalan, um in an interview i don't know who with um says if you think about the language of cinema and wide shots mid shots and then close-ups they are all they are different ways that the characters are interacting with their environment. So let's say I'm in a hostage situation like that and I'm thinking about escape. I might be talking to you, but I'm thinking about how to get out. And I can do this in a wide shot because that's conveying that the character is saying, hey, it's going to be all right. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. But I'm thinking about the windows and the doors and you see me struggling. If there's a specific thing that I'm feeling, I tend to do it closer. I'm trying to ascertain whether you are crazy or if you're going to hurt me right now. I'm in hyper close up with you. I'm watching your facial expressions. I don't really care about your legs and so the movie starts with a gunshot it starts immediately with a stranger showing up and there's a lot of close-ups because they're at a nine from almost go you're with your daughter and strangers break into your house you're at a nine and you need to get out of here that's that's definitely how the movie starts is mm-hmm. um you know when with her grasshoppers yeah. outside and then a strange man approaches her from the woods and that's like the first thing that she says to him is like i'm not supposed to talk to strangers yeah um another review that i found from rogerebert.com uh gave the movie two out of four stars and it says not that the movie needs gore but the threat of violence is in this immediate scenario is specifically numbered by cutaways for or sorry numbed by cutaways for a story pitched in the human capacity to recognize another's life value there just isn't the terror that could create some of its emotional stakes the lack of it is deeply felt once it becomes apparent what monsters this movie is and isn't dealing with while showing how these people are driven by something that forces them to do awful things instead knock at the cabin creates one anticlimax after another yeah Another thing I just thought of, mm-hmm. um, for all of the violence that isn't shown on screen, the one thing that is shown without any cutaways is Andrew being attacked. Mm. Um, because mm-hmm. it's the conversation, it's the camera f- flips back and forth between, so it's yeah. basically the actors talking to the camera, and then it's Andrew talking, and you see some of the bar behind him, and then you see Redmond turn back around and smash the bottle like while eric is talking twice yeah two bottles there's no cutaway yeah for that at all i don't have a a takeaway for that that's just a thing that just popped into my head Mm -hmm. anyway (laughs) the cast is good (laughs) yeah i mean everyone in this movie acted really well i think this might be one of dave batista's best works um 
Dave Bautista is Leonard. Um, M. Night Shyamalan specifically wanted him for this movie based off of his performance from Blade Runner 2049. Which was a fantastic performance. When like, Dave it's ba- such a small yeah. part, but he still just knocked that out. When Dave Bautista uh, first saw the script, apparently he was traveling a lot that day, was super tired, and then read the script, and his first thought was, that's a lot of dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> and he's correct. Even in the trailer, it's a lot of dialogue. Well, like, even, like, for him, because, like, like let's think about his big roles, like, Blade Runner, mm-hmm. he barely talks in that. Mm-hmm. Drax, he doesn't say... He has one-liners. Yeah, he has one-liners. Yeah. Um, he's in one of the James Bond movies right. and never says anything. Yeah. It's purely face and physical. And then Glass Onion. And Glass Onion, which was... Meh. But we'll talk He's about that there, eventually, yeah. I guess. Right? No, that was no, 23. No, that was last year. Okay, great. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it. No, we didn't like it. Nope. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Jonathan Groff is Eric. Ben Aldridge is Andrew. I know Jonathan Groff from Glee. I know Obviously. Ben Aldridge from Pennyworth. Yeah. Obviously, they've both been in other things, but that's what we know. Yeah. Um, Nikki Amuka Bird is Sabrina. That is the nurse. Uh, Rupert Grant is Redmond barely in this movie because he dies first um abby quinn is adrian who is the uh, fourth fourth horseman horseman (laughs) she is the chef and she also reveals that she is a son um and then Kristen kui i hope i cui i'm sorry i don't know how to pronounce it but she is when um the actress is also eight years old and this is her first movie yeah she was in like a music video and then she did this um so there's a good interview with her and other cast members on her IMDb page and just talking about the whole experience. And it's interesting hearing M. Night Shyamalan talking about how to work with child actors. Um, but it really seems like everyone just really liked Kristen on set and That's they good. became friends. Yeah. And she was doing her interview and she's like, Jonathan and Ben and I are going to go see Wicked after this. <laughs> <laughs> It's very good. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and M. Night obviously worked with children in the past. Yes. Um, many. Mm-hmm. But the one that really matters to me, Haley Joel Osment. Yes. So this marks two episodes in a row where we can talk about Haley Joel Osment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <is> production facts. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, so this movie was released February 3rd, 2023, uh, theatrically by Universal Pictures. It was originally scheduled for a February 17th release, but was moved to avoid competition with Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. Um, so instead, their competition was 80 for Brady. Can't wait to talk about that movie. Yep. Um, so this is also the second film in a two-part partnership deal with Universal Pictures that they had with Shyamalan's Blinding Edge Pictures. The first movie was uh, 2021's Old, which people on my part of the internet did not like and i didn't watch it because i don't super care about M. Yeah. movies um but it was still technically commercially successful yeah um it is a it has a runtime of 100 minutes on r- different ratings 67 percent on rotten tomatoes with a 63 percent audience score 63 out of 100 metacritic and a c rating by cinema score so like i feel like that's the overall vibe of like yeah it's okay mm-hmm. kind of yep yeah was it a successful movie? Yes. Um, it had a budget of $20 million, and the box office, it got $54.8 million worldwide, with 35.4 of that being domestic. 
Um, it was projected to gross 15 to 17 million from just over 3,600 theaters in its opening weekend. It made 5.4 million on the first day and debuted at a total of 14.2 million, displacing Avatar The Way of Water from the top of the box office. So right in that yeah, that's a range expected. Um, not bad. Yeah, that's all from wikipedia.com. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, so it's it did pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it didn't deserve it. Mm-hmm. I think it, you know, that feels like an adequate amount of money for the quality of that movie. I think saying that it displaced Avatar The Way of Water from the top of the box office <laughs> makes it seem like a much bigger deal than it actually was when I mean, it came out. That movie was in theaters for months. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. So this movie is based off of the 2018 novel The Cabin at the End of the World by Paul Tremblay. Uh, they changed the title. Uh, Paul Tremblay thought that they changed the title because M. Night Shyamalan wanted to keep the ending a surprise. So if you have a book out there that's about your movie, then it's not going to be a surprise. Um, but also the title is too similar to uh, The Cabin in the Woods, yeah. which is a movie with a very different vibe. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the film was optioned in late 2017 before the book was published. And then Tremblay had to keep it a secret that the movie was based off of his book until late 2022. That's wild. Yeah. Um, good for him. Yeah. Uh, Shyamalan originally came onto the project as a producer uh, the original pitch for the project was just a straight adaptation, changing nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shyamalan was not on board with that for a reason we will <laughs> just get to. Uh, so then eventually he became the director and then um, has a co-writing credit. Paul Tremblay does not have a co-writing credit on this. Um, Shyamalan says that this was the fastest he has ever written a script. It shows. It shows. Yeah. yeah. Um. Tremblay is not credited as a co-writer. Um, it made f- fans of his book very upset on Twitter. Um, and in some interviews that I found, Tremblay seemed disappointed his name wasn't on the poster slash he wasn't more involved in the promotion. The poster should at least say story by yeah. Tremblay, right? Like yeah. it. I don't know if, if I wrote the book, they took this movie, changed it the way they changed it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would want my credit to be written by. So, but you know, I story. Believe, I believe on IMDb he has a story by credit. Okay. Um, I think he was also in interviews. He has been like very upfront about what the adaptation process is like, the pros and cons of that, and he's very aware that he had a pretty good experience, even though it was yeah. drastically changed. And also, it seems like part of that good experience was M Night Shyamalan was very upfront about why he wanted to change stuff from the book. Gotcha. Uh, so yeah the, the big difference between the book and the movie uh the book ending uh when is accidentally killed as the gun goes off in a struggle and it's much more up in the air if the apocalypse was even happening in the first place the entire time it's uh i think a lot of these setups that we were talking about earlier is like that's all stuff i think i haven't read the book but i'm pretty sure that's all stuff that came from the book it's like in that uh, he's much more 50-50 on whether or not it's happening. So he's trying to provide evidence for both sides. Mm-hmm. And then Wen's death is also supposed to be like a, one, does this count yeah. <laughs> to fulfill our, <laughs> our dark needs? And then also, um, if it doesn't, then my God, what have we put ourselves through yeah. and this family through? Um, so it's much more in the gray area. 
Um, so a couple uh, things that I found in an interview that Trembley did with the Daily Beast, um, he talks about for Knight, that was the draw for him, the question of what would you do in that situation? When I met with him on set, he was like, I jokingly told my family, all right, who are we going to sacrifice? Like, geez, dad. I guess for me with the book, the choice was there. I felt that it was a little bit more, I don't want to say complex, but I felt like the story was more than just that choice. The book became, I don't care whether or not the apocalypse was happening. It was all going to be about the choice Andrew and Eric were going to make. It was a metaphor for what we were living through as opposed to, are we going to save the world or not? It's the idea of rejecting fear and cruelty and hate for a little bit of hope. So M. Night Shyamalan did not want to kill a child in his movie. No, I mean, I can't, I can't imagine the production house i can't imagine paramount or universal sorry would have been like yeah that's fine kill an eight-year-old yeah i get that that was a line for him but it seems like because that payoff wasn't there anymore then he switched his focus to like we'll put myself in in eric and andrew's shoes and what would i do and that's a less nuanced take than what paul was going for yeah um and then in that same article he says i think people see my ending as darker because when died that doesn't happen at the end of the film it's undoubtedly super dark but i think a lot of people are interpreting oh these two men said no now the world's going to be over i never said that's the ending it's up to your interpretation but i purposely divorced myself from thinking about whether or not the apocalypse was happening when i wrote it i wanted the evidence to be equal on both sides my ending is defiantly hopeful whereas in knight's movie when i first saw it i felt so horrified and scared i felt so sad for andrew and when not only did they just decide to kill eric but how are they going to live with the knowledge that this incredibly cruel supreme being of the universe put them through that i don't find that hopeful at all yeah which i completely agree with and a big problem that i had that i saved because i knew we were going to talk about this quote yeah is when andrew and eric are having their heart to heart at the end and eric is like it's okay i'm ready to go Mm -hmm. like this this is what we're gonna do yeah he he talks about a a future he sees and we get a flash forward mm-hmm. where it's andrew and win like 20 years from now yeah and they're happy they're hanging out and and eric is like when has someone who loves her as much as we love her mm-hmm. you guys are happy together you're like you talk all the time you're still like you're still super close yeah no <laughs> no <laughs> In in no world would Wynn and Andrew be able to be close because anytime I don't care how much therapy you get, anytime, anytime Wynn sees Andrew, she's going to be reminded of the fact that Andrew killed her other dad. She's she is very aware of that. Yeah, the like they, they do a great job of like making this a child who actually is functional, isn't yeah. just a dumbass, like she understands what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, she's not there when Eric dies. She goes and hides in a treehouse nearby. Yeah. And then Andrew goes and gets her. And when he goes up the treehouse, she says, uh, is, is daddy, did, did daddy Eric save us? Yeah. Right. So did she, daddy Eric save everyone. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. she completely understands yeah. that Andrew had to kill Eric. Yeah. So there's no way that one, she's not in jail. Yeah. And two, <laughs> That she and Andrew have a good relationship after this. The movie really tries hard to, like, bring the two of them together. Yeah. Because it's just them uh, in the aftermath of this. Um, Lightning strikes the cabin and then it lights on fire. And I guess the implication is supposed to be, like, now there's no evidence of any of this happening. So it's a okay. So it's cool. (laughs) Um, So they're 
in the car together. They're in, in Redmond's car. Yep. Um, which, which has his ID in it with his real name. So the other people could have seen that he lied to them. Yep. Whatever. They go to a diner. They're seeing all these people like watching the news, calling their loved ones, being like, I think it's over. I think we're turning a corner. Like, we're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Like, they're seeing an environment outside of the one they were just in confirming that they made the right decision basically they one was not involved in this decision that's the other issue i have with this quote is like this eight-year-old did not decide to kill dad um but then the the last thing is them in the car together uh he starts the car boogie shoes comes on Uh he turns it off she turns it back on they sit there for a second it's kind of awkward so she turns it off and then he turns it back on so it's both of them like I think the implication is them choosing positivity. Yeah, and like choosing but the ending see. after all of this death, four people they don't know, mm-hmm. their their beloved husband and father, and then it's just like boogie shoes. Yeah, what are you gonna do? That's all, folks. Yeah, like it's just very Looney Tunes esque. That's M Night Shyamalan's cameo in this movie. Is he? Well, he, he does have one. He's he on the television at one point. Yeah. Uh, he said that was one of the more difficult cameos to put in, but he pitched it as kind of a joke. And then everyone was like, no, that's really funny. We should put you in that way. Yeah, because that's what you want to hear about your thriller. It's, that's a really yeah. funny idea, M. Night. Let's do that. Yeah. I mean, I liked it. Yeah. That was the only other way that he was going to be in yeah. there. Uh, All right. Yeah. Now our rating of this what did we film. think about this movie <laughs> obviously it's we loved it uh okay yeah. so our rating is a out of four rating system with mm-hmm. five options yep <laughs> zero out of four is oh no it should not be made bad 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 yeah one is that was a movie we watched it yep two is we changed this for this episode. yes we did it used to be just like that, yeah, that was fine. We yeah, watched that, that movie. Yeah, that was good. And yeah, we changed it to, it's a well-made movie. It's a well-made movie. movie. Yeah. Um, three is enjoyable and kind of technically good. Mm-hmm. And four is Oscar-worthy, like, yeah. oh, man, that was a really great movie in all aspects. Yeah. Which, so far, I think we've only watched one this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> two? Two. 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 So my rating for this movie Two. Two. Yeah. <laughs> Mine is also two, which is why we changed the thing. Yeah, because it just, is a really well-made film. It's got a lot of cool elements. But it wasn't like an enjoyable. Yeah. It's something was missing the entire time. Yeah. And I don't fully know what that was besides I would just love one single answer about anything that happened in it. Yeah. You know, like uh, better writing, <laughs> finishing. Um, I will say that this movie made me want to read the book and watch Signs again. Mm-hmm. Um, we watched it. You put your rating on Letterboxd, and then immediately your mom texted and was like, "The movie, the book, the book was, was better." better. Yeah. yeah, like it was almost it was almost immediate. Yeah, like I think it was a coincidence. I don't. I think she was putting a different movie on her Letterboxd, yeah. but it really was just like, "Yeah, I saw you watched it. The book was so much better." Yeah. So like, if you want a good story. Because this does have a good premise. Look at Paul's book. Read the book. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
we talk about another movie that we have watched in 2023. Yeah, a, a non-2023 released movie. A palate cleanser. Because <laughs> we, we watch movies. That Brag. is a thing that we do. Yeah. And we want to like briefly discuss some other movies that we've watched mm-hmm. this year. And the movie for this episode is Labyrinth, mm-hmm. which is just a great movie. Yep. It's so good. It's a Jim Henson movie, so there's obviously puppets. I believe it's his directorial debut. I could be wrong. I know he for sure directed it. Yes. Um, I'm pretty sure it is. David Bowie is in it. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, a big thing. He plays the Goblin King. If you love David Bowie, if you love David Bowie's crotch, this is the movie for you. Mm-hmm. If you love the 80s, if you love puppets if you love movies for with puppets with great jokes that hold up from the 80s mm-hmm. this is the movie for you if you want lore that also isn't fully explained but in a much more satisfying way yeah then labyrinth it's a great great movie. if you want a movie that will not edge you yeah <laughs> edge you in a way that doesn't finish because <laughs> it, it edges you a little bit uh-huh. because at the at the beginning yeah in this movie and this isn't really spoiling much because, like, the premise of the movie is she gets trapped in the labyrinth world. She calls the goblin. She king. calls the goblin king and gets He's, trapped. He steals her baby brother. Yeah. She has to get her baby brother back through the yeah. labyrinth. So there's a scene at the beginning where she is is saying something mm-hmm. that supposedly is what you have to say to call the goblin king. Yeah. And so she's saying it, mm-hmm. and she says a line of it, and then we get a shot of some of the goblin puppets, and they're like yeah and she says a little bit more mm-hmm. and then we get a shot of the puppets and they're like uh-huh go on yeah and then she says something and it's not right she messes up the she line. messes up the line and yeah. all the goblins go ah forget about it <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> it's great it's, uh-huh. a, it's a great thing bryce have you seen labyrinth i have not not yet i think you would really it's like a it. movie that i think you would love yeah. i'm very i have the you remind me of the man stuck in my head remind all me the of the babe the babe Oh, you remind me, oh gosh. <laughs> you remind me of the babe. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is yeah. It it's a movie with a great soundtrack. Yeah. It's great characters. I feel like um Labyrinth has one of those movie facts, um in the way that like Lord of the Rings does of like when Vigo Morrison breaks his toe and every mm-hmm. time you watch it you go, Hey, did you know that he broke like <laughs> um Labyrinth has one of those scenes, for me at least, of when it's like the MC Escher kind of yeah, yeah. thing. Uh, and he flips around like he was actually walking upside down. They like, couldn't get the special effects right. So you can kind of see the support of yeah. him, them <laughs> propping him up every time. I'm like, hey, you know, that's, <laughs> that's not special effects. But it is a great movie and yeah. it really holds up. Mm-hmm. So that is our movie discussion for today. Yep. Please follow us places. Mm-hmm. We have an Instagram. <laughs> That's it. it. (laughs) Follow us on Instagram, Virtual Cocktail. Yeah. Um, uh, You can follow us on YouTube. We have two channels. This, obviously, if you're watching it on YouTube, you know where it is. Yeah. This goes up on VC Recordings. Yes. Uh, But our other channel is Virtual Cocktail. Virtual Cocktail has all of our scripted. Scripted content. So our short films and all of that jazz. Mm -hmm. Uh, VC Recordings is our unscripted content, Mm -hmm. where eventually we'll have more, too. Like Bryce... He's gonna be running our RPG mm-hmm. campaigns, and uh, once we get ri- once we get it written, once we get it written, that's mm-hmm. fine. There's there's no we got time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, if I may interject just for a second. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, I have to disagree about the uh, the questions about the bodily functions of whenever they were getting shot and slicing their throat. 
my dad actually has a friend who is who a shot himself in the arm. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, he actually they you know did powerlifting together. Yeah. Okay. And he went off to be a mountain man. Uh, he does like his own uh, That's homestead stuff up there. Sure. Uh, and he told my dad about a story of whenever he went uh, down to the town. You know, went to the bar because mm-hmm. uh, what else are you gonna do in the mountain? Sure. Uh, and a guy and a girl were having a squabble over another guy. Mm-hmm. The guy leaves. She's asked to leave because if he comes back, he's going to bring trouble. Lo and behold, he comes back and brings trouble in mm-hmm. the form of a, um, I don't know what kind of gun he brought, but the my dad's friend, he's a big dude. Yeah. Uh, he ended up getting up and trying to wrestle the you know gun away from the guy. And it wasn't until the police came that they're like, hey, dude, you're bleeding. Mm-hmm. And he was like, what? He looked down. He was shot right here. Uh, wow. He was on this side. Uh, right above on his chest uh, chest. for for audio viewers in the chest Uh, (laughs) he was was shot in his chest uh, in his pec uh, upper pec area Uh Uh, and he said oh he said it felt like someone took two fingers and just shoved him really hard Hmm. Uh, and on the throat splitting stuff there's a lot of accounts of uh, people in duress slicing their own throats Uh, and I I haven't seen yeah, yeah. the Cabin movie, but mm-hmm. I assume they were in duress. I mean, he's definitely got some adrenaline going through his system he at some point. He does it very casually. He's in a rocking chair, and he just goes... Okay, yeah, yeah. okay. Never <laughs> so mind then. The, the bullet thing, I think... <laughs> the bullet could... thing, I can give you a little bit more. I will yeah. say, the situation you described hmm. is more adrenaline rising. Yeah. Dave Bautista was standing quietly in a bathtub. Dave Bautista was mm. confronting his own death when he yeah. slices through it. <laughs> I mean... Yeah. We, th- th- again, depends, no, but you're on, right. I, yeah. depends on how big the boy is. You're right. He's a big boy. <laughs> He's a, a big, beefy boy. Yeah. yeah. So... Uh, also, oh. wel- welders will make anything dope for free. <laughs> uh, knowing many welders, uh, one me, being me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if you tell them, hey, can you make this ridiculous thing? They're like... Psh- so if we have visions, if we, if we have terrible, terrible visions, I need you to make a weapon. Absolutely. <laughs> Bryce Dude, is the guy I to call. Yeah. So for our viewers at home, <laughs> Bryce is the My guy My P.O. box. When you are plagued by visions. <laughs> <laughs> so follow us on YouTube. Follow yeah. us on our Instagram. If you want to be plagued by visions of our content. Yeah. Uh, our Instagram and our social media stuff is just virtual cocktail. We're not yeah. going to make separate things for for that. That feels yeah excessive we do technically have a subreddit there's mm-hmm. nothing happening on there right now i just claimed the name mm-hmm. but you know maybe eventually we will if you know we technically have a twitter too or an x account whatever yeah. it's called now um t- instagram is our active place yes so that's where we do most of our things yeah um and we also want to say check out um our short film teaser trailer is now out for Hello, My Name is Friend Man. On Instagram and YouTube, you can watch the teaser trailer for our short film that we've talked about a little bit mm-hmm. that we can talk about more at a different time. Yep. Um, we also have character blurbs about everyone who's in the movie or almost everyone who's in the movie. Uh, all of that is just kind of keep some momentum going while like getting people interested in it while we're going through the festival circuit because it will be a while yeah. until we can release it publicly unfortunately so um, if but you want to learn more another place to hear about that film mm-hmm. probably won't be on this trip on this podcast mm-hmm. we might start another podcast which we want your input on this one is obviously weekly or has been so far. Mm-hmm. Um, we are considering doing a monthly kind of update podcast 
for like on VC recordings to talk about everything that we've done. Yeah. Um, like VC stuff, like regular, like our scripted stuff, yeah. our unscripted stuff, mm-hmm. stuff that we're just doing in our own personal lives. Yeah. Like we mentioned in the last episode, we filmed this at the Commonwealth Sanctuary and we do stuff here all the time. So maybe we want to talk about that stuff. Yeah. Like a really cool show just got announced mm-hmm. coming up in October, September of the folk yeah. musicians. Yeah. Um, which is going to be super fun. Mm hmm. Uh, so maybe like we'll talk about that kind of stuff there. Yeah. Uh, we might also just like hang out and talk. Bryce will be on that one too. You don't know that, Bryce, but you're gonna be on that one. <laughs> oh, Congratulations! <boy. laughs> because yeah. you're doing stuff for us as well. So. I'm yeah. learning all sorts of new things today. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, if there is a preferred format, what would you like to see? Yeah. Um, we are also considering. We're kind. We have have set up a Patreon. We're considering putting that up behind the patreon of like if you support us then here are the updates here's literally what you're paying for Mm -hmm. this is what we're working on that kind of thing if that's something you're interested in cool let us know yes um Uh, and patreon will have other paywall stuff as well especially when like the rpg stuff happens we're gonna have stuff that's like just for that and then other kind of things so far the idea for it though is to not have tiers it's just gonna be a flat monthly rate so if you subscribe for a low, undetermined amount, mm-hmm. then you get all of it. Everything. All of it. Yeah, so let us know. If you have questions about anything, you can leave them in the comments. Related and, to this, yeah. And then we can talk <laughs> about it on that podcast. Yeah. Um, and then specific for this podcast, let us know if there's stuff that you like us talking about, you don't like us talking about. Mm-hmm. If there's a movie that you want us to watch soon and talk about soon, let mm-hmm. us know. Obviously, it has to be released in 2023. If I think we'll, we can do, we've talked about doing like technical re- releases of like it premiered at a film in 2023. If, yeah, if there's a festival release 2023, but didn't go to theaters until a different year. Yeah. We can do that. Like we're going to find some loopholes. Yeah. Even without the loopholes, this podcast can go on for so long. There's so much there's everywhere. So much. I mean, yeah. just like yesterday, I was like, I didn't even hear about these ten movies. Yeah. Like how? Like, and we're even looking. Yeah. So it's just like there's there's so much. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's what we're up to. That's yep. I think the end of this podcast. Mm-hmm. So thank you for listening. I know it was a long one. Mm-hmm. Um. If you don't like them being long, let us know. If yeah. you do like them being this length, also let us know. Like we're we're trying to figure this out. You know, we're making this mm-hmm. with us in mind, but also you in mind. Yeah. Like it's not just for us to talk about movies. We can do that without making a podcast. But the podcast helps. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, thank you for watching. Mm-hmm. Like, subscribe, all the good stuff. And we will see you in our next episode of the Year of the Movie podcast. Yep. Bye.